if you could do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy, if you could throw us down a couple blessings, you know, like one that I don't mess up being a manager. Uh, we're just three cats and never played a single snap. Here to tell you how to draft when the ship and run it back. The stats ain't tell the story, this is the story of the stats. You can stick it to your friends, what's more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals. We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all the titles. Stick to the path and follow us disciples. The only sin is math, and all you need is the Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible is the fantasy Bible. Hello and welcome to another episode, a Wednesday episode of the Fantasy Bible. I'm your host, Nate Biner. Here with me as always is Dane. Dane, how you doing, my man? The NFL could do it on Wednesdays last year, and we could do it on Wednesdays. We're the Fantasy Bible Podcast. Exactly. Adaptability, flexibility, versatility. That's our motto. Availability. We have it tattooed on our chests. We know what it is in Latin. Uh, And it's the best ability, all of them, as they always say. Um, Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right. So today we are getting into the AFC North. Last uh, Friday was the NFC North wrapping up our divisional preview series. We hope you guys find it useful. We hope you can rely on it, go back to it, listen to it, get this information down, take notes, and be ready for your drafts. Because draft season is upon us. More and more teams are starting their drafts. We have ours coming up in, what, day eight more days? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, it's... it's uh, I'm ready. I can't really mock draft anymore. The big board's ready. Uh, I am good to go. Yeah, I'm slowing down on my mock drafts. I have a pretty set idea of how I want it to go, how I will pivot if it does not go that way. I'm I'm so ready, dude. I'm salivating. Yeah, I think uh, I, I've been making mock drafts to my big board, and I've been pleased with how they've been turning out. Um, it's it's what's nice about the big board. Just to speak on on that for a sec it really pushes you to take best player available. And like when I finished, like just listening to the big board, my roster, my rosters weren't as well-rounded as when I was like, just going from like, you know, gut or whatever. Uh, But they were better, more filled out rosters with more players and more flexibility and like more uh, potential trade ability in the future to acquire like maybe the quarterbacks that I wasn't taking or the tight ends that I wasn't taking because I was doubling down on running back or doubling down on wide receiver. Yeah, that's a good, that brings up a good idea that I don't think we may have may have even mentioned on the podcast yet, but it's not always a good idea to just fill out your starting roster and feel like you have to draft those players to fill that out. Like if you see a guy that's a good value, but you already have two starting receivers and you don't need a third yet, that doesn't mean you have to go running back or tight end or quarterback. That means if you think you're getting a good value, you can pick that wide receiver and then pick the value at running back later as it comes. So, yeah, there's uh there's really like, Two, two ends to the spectrum. There's, uh, you know, drafting your quarterback in the fifth and sixth tight end, quarterback and tight end in the fifth and sixth tight end, say, uh, because you have already drafted, you know, the rest of your roster, like just filling it out position by position, mm-hmm. which is like one no-no. And then the other no-no, shout out our boy Cole, is drafting three tight ends. <laughs> 
and then holding on to those tight ends because of the tight end disparity in the league and not trading them, even though that they were drafted to be trade capital, just busting Cole's balls a little bit there. Got to also give Cole a shout out because he sold me a PlayStation five. And as you know, we are sponsored by Sony. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, uh, all right. So should we get into this? Uh, there's no news today, obviously, because you know the dirty little secret that this is being recorded ahead of time. But mm-hmm. we can, uh, or do you have a mystery question before we get into the preview? Ooh, I do not, but I could think of one on the fly. And oh, I want it to be about how you hate Joe Burrow, because we will be talking about the Cincinnati Bengals late into the episode. But I think... <laughs> So this is a guy that I thought was a great draft pick last year, but now I don't really want to take him this year, even though nothing has changed around him. What do you think? Well, I'll say, is he a guy you're thinking about drafting Kareem Hunt? Yes. Okay. And is it because of his upside if Chubb goes down, or is it because he has flex ability just week to week with his role in that offense? Or do you think he has more of a role than maybe we even saw from him week to week last year? Like, I think that I think that Kareem Hunt has a guaranteed flex role in the offense. Like like mm-hmm. his role in the offense is guaranteed to fle- translate to flexibility with RB2 upside week to week. Um and that's why I'm drafting him because well, here's the thing. If you're in the position to draft Kareem Hunt, where Kareem Hunt is going, you're probably in the position where you've drafted Christian McCaffrey. Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry. That's just my feeling based on how Kareem Hunt has always been available in a certain spot. Now he's available like later than that. But um, so if you're drafting him as your RB2, then you're like, you're obviously prioritizing receiver or tight end in those middle rounds. And you're getting a, someone that could be an RB2, but the you're, you're getting decent production out of your RB position because you have such a, you know, advantage of having Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, or Derrick Henry, who are obviously, you know, probably going to be the top three performers or are projected to be the top three performers. Obviously, we're never really right on this. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I like Kareem Hunt. I think that we went like Browns have an excellent offensive line and a run based offense, and they really do have enough touches to go around. And I think the way they used hunt last year was to sort of wear uh the the offense down with chubb in the first half and then bring in a fresh-legged electric kareem hunt to run around a lot uh all over the defense in the uh fourth fourth quarter so yeah i have kareem hunt i think ranked fourth of my tier that starts with mike davis and ends with melvin gordon if okay I, yeah i do think i don't get about... too specific but, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I recorded. That. Don't worry. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's about where he should go. I just feel he doesn't have. I don't know. It's going to be hard to put him in an RB two role week to week, and I don't think I love him in a flex spot. He's a good flex. I, I just don't think he has like the upside that you can maybe find later with like a maybe Javante Williams becomes that RB one. Maybe uh, Travis Etienne becomes like an Austin Eckler in that offense. Like I think. 
if I'm drafting a third running back because I don't want him as my RB2, I think that I would rather wait another round or two and then pick a guy with upside because there's such good receivers going right around him in drafts. So that's where I'm at. But that was a good uh, – I don't think we've talked much about Kareem Hunt. because RB10 he, last year. Yeah, like he was great. RB uh, – uh, sorry, what was I going to say? Nick Chubb and uh, Hunt finished RB1. So it can happen on one team. Um, yeah, obviously Nick Chubb was out a lot, but I feel like even with Nick Chubb back – Kareem Hunt, like, you think he's going to drop? You say he doesn't have RB2 potential. I don't think he's going to drop from 10 to 25. Sorry, I meant, like, I don't want him in my RB2 spot week to week. So, for me, he's, like, only a flex play. And if I'm drafting a running back that I'll only put in the flex spot, then I'd rather wait a couple rounds and get a good guy who might have an upside. I'm very much, like, if I don't prioritize running back in in the two three round turn mm-hmm. you know you're very much for me personally very much looking at him as an rb2 because that's true uh, but yeah obviously not ideal but i'd rather have him a lot like you know than like chase Edmonds or or uh, uh raheem mostert um i would agree with all that yeah absolutely yeah. even would you have rather have kareem hunter darrell henderson darrell henderson just because he's the the guy at the goal line every time i think i don't think he's really threatened for that role um I think that offense will be top scoring offense. So okay. I, th- I think he has upside. Yeah. I think there's definitely more upside there. Uh, you know, not counting like freak injuries to Nick Chubb, which obviously please. please yeah. Please, please don't. Uh, please don't. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so should we get into the Steelers here? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So uh, the Steelers, I think I've kind of ranted and raved a little bit about the Steelers on this podcast. So maybe that's a, an exaggeration, but I have, Spoken, I think, somewhat at length about how poorly they have gone in the construction of their offseason, losing several weapons on the offensive line, uh, failing really to replace them in the draft, instead prioritizing uh, running back in Najee Harris and drafting Kendrick Green in the third round as Marcus Pouncey retires and Villanueva left and David DeCastro gets released and Trey Turner is brought in, who is not really a good uh, offensive uh, linemen. So, yeah, I, I think that's my biggest fear here is that like everyone's drafting Najee Harris on the basis that he's going to get 300 touches on the season around there. And the offensive line fact, it, 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 this totally could be to, to reference a similar team in the division, a Joe Mixon situation where a talented player fails to produce efficiently and is overdrafted uh but is damaged by his offensive line and maybe even actually damaged him, uh, you know, injured by getting hit so much in the backfield, not getting in the running room. Um, uh, to continue on with the Steelers, crowded wide receiver room, three very talented wide receivers in Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster. I've been down on Deontay Johnson in the past because he had the most uh, drops, I believe, led the league in total drops last year. Um, although had was like fifth or sixth in targets, I'm much higher on Chase Claypool for his athletic potential and his versatility in the formation. And then Juju Smith-Schuster factors to be a solid slot. Um, the big question is Ben Roethlisberger was not great last year. Uh, one of the quickest times to throw in the league. Part of that had to do with the lack of running game and lack of offensive line uh, strength, but. Um, so it was his elbow surgery, he was still recovering. So yeah, another. part of that was like, a, you know, an inability to go deep, you know, and, and 
just to have to make these shallow targets, which they they made work. I mean, they won, they won, they led the division. They won twelve games, but they quickly lost in the wild card round. Um, they bring in a new offensive coordinator in Matt Canada. I'm not too familiar with Matt Canada's background, but we'll we'll see what he brings. He the- is American. Just yeah. so you know, he is American. Uh, good to know that his uh, last name is a uh, total misnomer. Um, <laughs> you know, he, I, I guess he's, he's he has some creativity in his, his background. Uh, I'm reading here in my collection of notes here. But yeah, uh, I don't know. The, the Roethlisberger has, has stated that the dink and dunk thing will not really continue. And, and there's a chance that they have a crazy resurgence but I'm not personally not very high on the Steelers who historically are one of the teams that you can rely on in fantasy football. So it's, it's a kind of a bummer that there's going to be some inconsistency this year. Um, Chase Claypool is the guy that I'm highest on. I do have him ranked in my top 24 wide receivers. Uh, Eric Ebron, not really someone I'm considering at the tight end position. No one else really to talk about at tight end on this team. And then Najee Harris, who for me, is ranked as a running back one, but he is definitely at the lower end of that running back one uh, spectrum. Yeah, I think that's where he should be. Kind of like how we saw Clyde Edwards-Valaire. I think he was being drafted like running back eight last year, and I don't think I can do that. No, give me him at like running back 12, 13, somewhere yeah. there. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair take with like you're baking in a little risk. He is a rookie. You know, this offensive line won't be as good as they have been in years past. Um, and, you know, they have plenty of people to throw the ball to, even if they do want to get short passes out. He he could be the fourth look in, you know, in uh, a lot of their schemes. So they're going to do some screen work and end arounds to Chase Claypool because he's a playmaker. So I think his upside, you can make the argument that it's capped in that offense. But also, he's pretty much guaranteed the touches, so that's why he's going that high. At running back, it's all about volume, and he's going to have guaranteed volume. I'm not too concerned with the offensive line, like, as far as his production for fantasy, because even if he can't be, like, a game-breaker, like, look at Jonathan Taylor. He was able to do it. He had a good offensive line, but he wasn't making anything of it himself. It was really just handed to him. So you could see kind of the opposite here, where Najee has to produce – with uh, nothing given to him. And I think that might equal out to what you saw with Jonathan Taylor. He only averaged like 3.8 yards per carry. If Najee averages 3.8 yards per carry, he's going to have the volume to be a week-to-week starter. He'll always be a top 20 running back in that case. Yeah, and there were those uh, reports of Najee Harris doing a lot of pass catching mm-hmm. in the, the early OTA periods. I, I, haven't, I haven't kept in with the camp reports yet, but obviously as, as I get closer and closer to the draft, that's something I'm going to be reading for all of these players. Um, yeah, uh, one other thing. Oh, I just want to like note this. This is disgusting and, and like disgusting in a, a bad way. Oh. These are just like the receiving yards for these three receivers. Deontay Johnson, 923. Chase Claypool, 873. Juju Smith-Schuster, 831. Like they're just cannibalizing each other in this offense. Like yeah. it's three incredibly solid performances. And that's and nothing more than that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you need a leader to emerge for the for for this to to fall into place here in Pittsburgh. But uh, yeah, I think that's all I got on the Steelers. Oh, Pat Firemuth, um, not someone to be super excited about. Someone to definitely pick up in dynasty in the later yeah. rounds of your dynasty drafts, just for the potential here. But we all know how a tight end is. It's a it's a crapshoot. The NFL doesn't even know. Like they draft these guys at fourth overall. 
like TJ Hawkinson. And you know, like, I, I think whatever TJ Hawkinson, whatever role he plays on the team this year, I think we can all fairly agree that he's not worth his draft position. Maybe it was eight overall, either way, a top 10 draft pick on yeah. a, a tight end. Four overall was uh, Kyle Pitts, um, who, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Kyle Pitts. But yeah, anything else on the Steelers, Dan? No, uh, that's about it. Uh, ben Roethlisberger could be a streaming quarterback uh, in some matchups. I'm not really – I don't think he should be drafted unless you're going last-round quarterback. He could be there. But, yeah, yeah, you nailed it. There's no one behind Najee Harris that you should even consider drafting at, at that spot. Um, yeah, their wide receiver core is loaded. They kind of cap each other's ceiling. Uh, one of them could have a great week or they all could have average weeks. So, you know. I think we'll see more touches for Chase Claypool. He was like a big game-breaking guy. He could change the game if the ball was in his hands. So we'll probably see him scripted in more. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is the guy I'm least likely to draft. I think he has the least amount of upside for those guys. Deontay Johnson has that guaranteed volume. Chase Claypool could break break a big play. I think Juju is still just going to be like a short to intermediate route guy, and he'll get get his pretty decent hands. He'll catch the ball and then – you know, shoulder a guy over for an extra yard. I'm not excited about that. Well said. All right. You want to take us on to, I believe, the Ravens? Yeah, I can't remember. Because the uh, Browns played the Steelers in the wild card round. So that would mean this the Browns were like the wild card. Yeah, let me game. double check. Yeah, you are right. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they were both 11 and 5. The Ravens had the tiebreaker there. Because, yeah, I remember the Ravens, they were uh, not looking great halfway through the season, and then they ran on like a five or six win streak or something crazy yeah. back in there. So They got uh, it together. Baltimore Ravens, they still have fantasy darling Lamar Jackson at quarterback. He has the potential to be the quarterback one on the league in fantasy. He is going in like the fourth-ish round right now, maybe even falling to the fifth. That's pretty good value if you're looking for an early-round quarterback. Um They still have J.K. Dobbins, who looks very talented, averages above five yards per carry. They still have Gus Edwards, very talented, but... COVID. Yeah, COVID. Uh, He did get COVID, I think, right? And this whole team is, like, riddled with COVID. What's going on? Yeah, Lamar Jackson, who had COVID, somehow didn't think it was a good idea to get vaccinated. Got it again. (laughs) Lamar Jackson, who was really, like, becoming, like, uh, I don't know. I, I was so high on Lamar Jackson going into the season and now the COVID thing. And it's just like, come on, like, it's not good. It's not good at all. Yeah. Hopefully this is a wake up call and he just realizes even just for the competitive advantage sake that it might be worth it to get vaccinated. So you're available to play. That would be great. I don't know if we'll even know if he does get vaccinated, but somebody's paying attention and they'll, they'll let us know if they find out. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, that's a great running back duo to pair with the probably the best running quarterback in the league, Lamar Jackson. So they will have one of the top rushing offenses. I don't think Lamar Jackson will throw more than 450 passes, which is still like 15% more than he threw last year. So that's like if he throws 450 passes, that's saying he's going to throw a lot more. And that's still bottom of the league. So that's something to consider when you look at their uh, their depth chart at wide receiver they acquired sammy watkins who sammy watkins is getting so much hype out of camp they say he's like the best receiver on the team which is really i heard really good stuff about rashad bateman too also rashad bateman yes but i think like the consistent drumbeat is that sammy watkins is like 
great for this team. <laughs> I think Marquise uh, Hollywood Brown, I think he's like sidelined right now. So he's not really out there. I don't think Marquise Brown is somebody I'm going to draft. No, no matter, no matter, even if he falls around or two, like, I just don't see any. What's the situation. point? Yeah. yeah. Cause you're not going to know when to play him based on the low passing volume. And I would much rather take Rashad Bateman like four rounds later who he's probably a better wide receiver than, uh, than Marquise Brown, like year one. So I don't want to draft Sammy Watkins. I don't want to draft Marquise Brown. I might take a flyer on Rashad Bateman if there's like a availability on my roster for it. But so you wouldn't draft Sammy Watkins after all this hype? No, dude, we've been hyping up. Well, as a community, the fantasy community has been hyping up Sammy Watkins for five years. Maybe this is the year. Hey, Corey, it happened to Corey Davis. It happened to Devontae, Devontae Parker. Parker. Yeah. All right. I'm wrong. Draft Sammy Watkins in your first round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He always has those explosive week ones and he's Pretty the touchdown top, week with the Chiefs. Yeah, the top waiver wire ad, and you're like rubbing your hands together for week two. Oh man, I can't wait for this production. And then he has three targets, one catch, and eight yards. And you're like, what is happening? <laughs> he he dropped a goose egg or two last year. Like it's ridiculous. I don't know. And that was in the Kansas City offense, high octane passing offense. I don't really want him at all in a 450 pass attempt offense. So other than that, they do have uh, Mark Andrews, yeah. good tight end. And I think he's just a little too pricey for me. He's a great boom type of tight end where he tight end have, four, tight end five is where he's going. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, that's in the range with like Kyle Pitts and Hawkinson, where I just would probably rather wait and take a wide receiver there. There's great wide receivers in those four to six rounds. So uh, a little too pricey for me, but he's a guy who represents one of the last tight ends that have upside i'd say week to week um yeah what's your vibe on this team i pretty much ran down my list of things to say um i don't know should i rehash my jk dobbins argument and why i'm high on jk dobbins i could do that uh, in case anyone hasn't heard that um yeah i think he's probably the most pivotal player that we need to be talking about because he's going in the second or third round of drafts and a lot of people are high on him they saw good things i as well like watching him play in the nfl but I have still, I do have questions, so I'd like to hear what you say about him. So the long and short of it is, like, uh, obviously we know the talents there. We've seen that out of him. Um, and people say, oh, well, Lamar Jackson is not only stealing rushing reps, he's going to stealing rushing touchdowns. And, well, that has a ring of truth to it. Lamar Jackson isn't cam newton he's not really a goal line goal line touchdown back he, he gets them from 10 15 yards out with you know elusive uh shiftiness um so i don't think he's gonna like supplant jk dobbins at the goal line especially when you consider the longevity perspective of like wanting to keep lamar jackson healthy and then the offensive line is strong not they're not incredible but it's a strong offensive line um, they plugged the. They got an outstanding left side of the line with Ronnie Stanley and Ben Cleveland, and then right guard Kevin Zeitler strong, and then they bring in Villanueva at right tackle, who will has yet to be seen. He's he's declined certainly, but is you know a former Pro Bowl player. Um, so the line is strong, and then the the crux of the argument is that it's an offense that's built, as you've mentioned, to run the ball out of like multiple personnel groupings, like just run the ball, run the ball. And they do that with Lamar Jackson, but they also do that with Gus Edwards. And that's why Gus Edwards is relevant. And they do with J.K. Dobbins, who was a rookie last year, showed a lot, is expected to take, you know, the, the sophomore jump. But also um, 
the the reason why it's such a great offense for running backs to thrive is obviously the defense has to devote linebacker resources to Lamar Jackson and just stopping Lamar Jackson, which can free up rushing lanes very easily for the running backs on the team. And so that's why all those factors kind of contribute to me being high on J.K. Dobbins in that tier of running backs that sort of comes after uh what, what do you call them like the wide receivers that are like um dk metcalf and, and guys like that and then you get into ceh well ceh is going pretty high this year but then you get into swift and dobbins and mixon and uh montgomery and and dobbins is probably one of the highest of that tier for me yeah, I think he represents plenty of upside. He's going to be efficient just based on how you describe the offense produces for running backs. Um, yeah, uh, it's going to be a great offense, and they predominantly rush the ball. So the only you know downside to him is he doesn't really have a lot of passing down work. They have said they want to get him more involved, and maybe they will, but he only averaged like 1.4 uh, targets a game last year, which is next to nothing. So even if that goes up to two, that would be, you know, a 40% increase or something like that. So that's a lot more in the grand scheme of things, but it might, what they say is a lot, basically might not mean a lot more for fantasy production, but if they do, man, then he's going to be a steal. You'd be drafting him where Antonio Gibson is or higher. So he has upside. I just, you know, they split a lot of work. So he might not have the floor of like a true high end RB two that some people think he is, but He's in that conversation. He he does feel good to have on your roster. Um, agreed. Agreed. I like him in my RBT slot. Just feels comfortable. All right. Uh, one more player that I'll mention before we move on from the Ravens is just to mention him again, Rashad Bateman, who has been standing out in training camp as the uh, Ravens' first round pick, uh, who can work you know middle intermediate parts of the field. Very flexible wide receiver. Stephon Diggs vibe, and that he's just a guy that's good at everything not elite, but good at everything, which is often enough to stand out on an NFL roster. Um, so I think he's going to bring a little more passing juice to the offense. And if there's anyone to own and keeper in dynasty leagues on this team um, from the receiving core, it's definitely payment. Yeah, definitely agree with that. All right. Uh, now you're taking us on to the Browns, correct? Right. Um, I think I just led us into the Ravens. Did you do the Ravens? Oh, yeah. I talked about the Steelers. Yeah. All right. Then I'll talk about the Browns. All right. We got that figured yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Browns, 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 Browns. The team is called the Browns, and they are a team in the National Football League. Uh, I'm just joking. I'm, I'm finding <laughs> my notes here. All right. Um, so, yeah, Browns, like, what, what the heck? They're, they're competent. They're, they're, there's hype. They've got the best defensive line in football, most say. They've got a, a great coach in Kevin Stefanski. They've got a competent, exciting quarterback in Baker Mayfield. They've got one of the best, most talented running back duos in the league in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Odell Beckham, what is left of him, is on the receiving core. <laughs> Jarvis Landry is doing his thing. They drafted Anthony Schwartz, a total burner, an incredibly fast dude in the third round of the draft this year. I'm sure I'm missing Rashad Higgins. That's the other guy. Uh, Austin Hooper, uh, David Njoku. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the offensive roster. 
guys that are relevant to me is obviously Nick Chubb, who I'm taking very high. Um, I think we mentioned uh, on the big board quiz the other day that Nick Chubb is, is like uh, shortly after Zeke for me and above Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I don't know what else there is to say about the Browns because like you can expect c- consistency from last year. The roster is very similar. The uh, team is very similar. And most of their acquisitions were in the defensive area to try and shore up uh, the secondary, which wasn't great. They bring in Josh Johnson. Uh, they signed some players on the line like Malik Jackson and Jadavian Clowney. Uh, Troy Hill's another corner that they added, and then they draft Greg Newsom. So maybe a, a relevant fantasy defense um, because obviously they already had that great pass rush with Miles Garrett. Um, but yeah, it's all about the run game in Cleveland. Uh, Baker Mayfield could take a, a step this year. It's like his... I think it, like it finally a year where he has a consecutive year in an offense with a good offensive coordinator. So mm-hmm. maybe we see some, some, uh, some more juice out of Baker. Maybe worth uh, a, a pickup in two quarterback leagues. Um, probably not someone that's draftable and redraft. Maybe unless you're waiting really long on a quarterback. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I guess the most interesting position to talk about on this team, Dane. Is wide receiver. What are you doing with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry? Uh, well, I'm certainly not high on Odell Beckham. He could have a better showing than he did at the beginning of last year before he got hurt. But I, I don't think he's completely washed. But I think we shouldn't think he's going to be the OBJ that we saw in the Giants with Eli Manning. That's probably not coming back, especially not in an offense that doesn't have as high of a passing volume as he once did when he was the superstar wide receiver OBJ. Um, He's worth drafting. Yeah. I only want him as like my wide receiver three. And that's if I went like three running backs and a tight end or something that like pushed me down, you know, to the situation where I'm looking at Odell Beckham as my wide receiver three. I I don't know. I don't think he's going to be a guy I'm looking at. And Jarvis Landry, he's a great like filler bench piece. If you need like a, spot start i don't think he has much upside and i think he's like a he's like a safe play he's not an exciting play he's he's not a sexy pick as you know people say like i don't know i'm just probably not going to have any of them but if i did it might be like a richard higgins like way on the depth chart just in case like maybe he has a bigger role i don't know but probably probably none of them for me how do you disagree I kind of like Odo Beckham. Here's the thing. Like Odo Beckham is going around guys like Chase Claypool, Brandon Ayuk, Deontay Johnson, Cortland Sutton, who all have a ton of Jamar Chase guys with a lot of question marks. In 2019, he had 74 catches for a thousand yards. Uh, I don't think his touchdown production was great, but you know, he was even like in the year that the Browns were bad and he didn't have chemistry with Baker in the offense, he had a thousand yards. So I think, you know, Odell Beckham is someone that you can get as your wide receiver three that is, is pretty exciting in that spot, given what we've seen from him. I'm not like super hype on him. I mean, I agree, uh, you know, with, with your take there, but I think that I'm not all out on Beckham. And then in PPR leagues, full PPR leagues, I think Jarvis Lantry is still a relevant asset because there are games when he just catches like 10 balls over the middle uh, or out of the slot. And, you know, that's a solid PPR production uh, day right there. Um, just wanted to also, I was just reading a little bit more about Baker. This So when he was not pressured, 
his EPA per play was higher than Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. When he was pressured, he was a bottom three quarterback in the league. So I just wow. think that's uh, kind of an interesting split. Fortunately, it's a good offensive line. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll get a little, a little more juice from Baker, as I said. Well, especially with Beckham back, and they've said this every year, but they're saying again that, oh, this is the year that we have the chemistry. This is the year that me and OBJ are, are locked in and we're going to do what he did on the giants and all that stuff. But yeah. Um, let's see. Not really high on Hooper or Ninjoku or Harrison Bryant, who has uh, showed a little juice last year in, in certain spots. Not, not a big tight end fan on this team. Uh, Rashard Higgins, the wide receiver three is not really relevant for me. Yeah, it's really uh, all about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and I think we covered Kareem Hunt at length at the at the beginning of the sode. So, uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about the Browns. They're returning all five starting offensive linemen. They're returning their quarterback. It's the same team it was last year, so expect similar things. Yeah, I'd say expect what you saw from them the second half of the year when they made their playoff push. Uh, yeah, should be a good team to watch. I enjoy watching Nick Chubb a lot. All right. So now you'll be talking about the only garbage team in this division led by the garbage quarterback, Joe. Yeah, they're pretty much a lock for last place in the division. And yeah, to reiterate, Nate hates Joe Burrow. Definitely hates the man to his core, wishes ill upon him. Never seen a worse quarterback in my life. Yep. Uh, You heard it here first. I'm going to cut that out and it's all over the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Joe Burrow figures to be back. He is recovering from a gruesome knee injury. Um, He might have a slow start to the season. We touched on camp reports last week. He's having a rough time adjusting. I think he'll work out the kinks and he'll be fine. Might be a slow week one or two, but uh, he does figure to throw the ball over 600 times this year. He has great receivers, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, my favorite, and Jamar Chase, number five overall. They drafted him, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they reunite from their college careers and Joe Burrow specifically asked for Jamar Chase. That can only bode well for his, his target share on this offense. I do think T Higgins will finish higher. That's my personal take. Some people do not agree and that's fine. I think it'll be very close. Uh, Tyler Boyd, I think Tyler Boyd, I think suffered the most from them drafting Jamar Chase. I think we'll see uh, no upside really. He, Tyler Boyd is probably more like a Jarvis Landry now in an offense that throws the ball a bit more. And that's what I can say about him. He's a good depth piece, great flex or spot start. I don't think he has like any exciting upside anymore though, but he probably will be a top 36 wide receiver just based on volume. You might not just, you might not know that a week to week. You're not going to be scared if you see him on a, an opponent's roster, but he's probably a lock for a floor. Uh, Drew Sample tight end. Yeah, maybe we could see something. There was some hype. He had a, like one big game, I think, last year, and then nothing else. CJ Uzama, not really a guy I'm caring about. Uh, yeah, Joe Mixon is a big guy to talk about, though. I think he's very polarizing in the fantasy football community. Yeah, he, I'm out he, on he, Joe Mixon. No yeah, Joe he, Mixon for me. <laughs> he has burned so many people. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell basically there's Joe, people who have owned Joe Mixon and people who have not owned Joe Mixon, and that is the two. That's the split right there because as someone who has yeah. owned him, nah, you can keep him. Yeah, I have not owned Joe Mixon. So I might be the sucker who drafts him because of all this potential, all this 
you know, he's a three down running back. He's one of the last workhorse running backs in the NFL. The opportunity is there. The only one on he's the like never done that. They say that every year. <laughs> I know they do. And he shows potential. He's good for a good running back. He has good hands. He's talented, but it has never really panned out. He's like the guy yeah, that every like 30, year, 40 years old now. Well, no, he's not. But, <laughs> but every year it's like, this is Joe Mixon's year and everyone's standing there you know punching their own hand like this is joe mixon's year uh okay if he's healthy maybe but i don't think i don't know he's scary. and the line is still terrible like yeah. it's like everyone everyone every year is like oh yeah the line's bad but but joe mixon's gonna get the opportunity and then he just gets hammered behind the line <laughs> and uh, like he has a few good games yeah but ultimately he gets injured because of the line being terrible now like just to clear up the joe mixon thing uh all i did was say that the the, there's been some bad camp notes and to monitor those camp notes on joe burrow just going into the draft but yeah i am definitely hoping that joe burrow can recover from his uh injury and perform well uh in this uh for this team um i'm just looking at these wide receivers and and uh yeah, I, I, it's like very similar to the Steelers where there's three guys that are all relevant and all, all, and all could have a role. But I don't know that the Bengals seem to have a lot more upside to me just because, well, Jamar Chase is a total wild card and he's probably being drafted way higher than he should be. Like, they're, they're, like T. Higgins is, is exciting and, and, and could be worth reaching on. But Jamar Chase like, is being very overdrafted for a rookie wide receiver. Yeah, that's what I. That's all I'm worried about is he is a rookie, and I don't. He like he already has good receivers to throw to, so it's not like he's going to be spoon feeding Jamar Chase with every every play. Uh, there's plenty to go around here. I think Jamar Chase could be a phenomenal receiver in the NFL. Probably will be, but we have seen plenty of times where receivers have a slow start to the year. You know, through four or five, six weeks, they're not shining yet, and then as things pick up into the second half of the year, now they're clicking. Um, that's kind of what I think will happen with Jamar Chase. So to draft him where he's going, like ahead of other uh, phenomenal wide receivers, I'll pull him up right now. He's going Portland, Sutton, Robbie Anderson, DJ Chark, yeah, uh, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Ayuk. Sometimes he goes ahead of. It depends on like what new list you're looking at. Odell Beckham, who we've mentioned, Kenny Galladay, who's which is justified, but just a, a big name to throw out there. Um, yeah. Devonte Smith, who it's like Devonte Smith has a clear role on that team now. I know he's injured right now, but uh, he's going to step in, you know, for sure as the wide receiver one on that team, especially if you've been reading the camp notes. Whereas Jamar Chase is on a much more crowded offense with a much worse offensive line that that factors to impact with a you know a much worse. Well, we don't know it's a worse coaching situ- worse coaching situation because we don't know what the Eagles going to look like this year but it's we know it's a bad coaching situation <laughs> so um yeah i, I think Jamar, the jamar chase hype is not unwarranted from a dynasty perspective but definitely unwarranted from a redraft perspective yeah like for all we know jalen waddle going 20 spots lower than him it could will be just as better or Rashad yeah. bateman or elijah yeah. moore who is like right. big going undrafted in a lot of leagues yeah so for me i think the hype is what's turning me off of jamar chase because we haven't seen him yet in the nfl and he's going ahead of t higgins who i believe in more than jamar chase just because i've seen him in the nfl he's six foot four 210 pounds 
uh, he was compared, I forget by who, to Megatron. Uh, so that, <laughs> that was you, know, you that, that was you. No, that. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it is also me now because I believe it. It was somebody who had played with uh, played with Megatron for a couple of years. Oh, Anyways, okay. yeah, I'm just saying. I think T. Higgins is a stud. Was a Lions ball boy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to look it up because it, it was worth noting. But anyways, uh, yeah. So don't let the hype fool you. But he is also a great draft pick. If he's if Jamar Chase is my wide receiver three, I'm fine with that. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's all the upside you can ask for. But um, I don't know. I don't, I'm not taking him over Cortland Sutton. Right. I would not take him over Clay, Chase Claypool, Cortland Tyler Sutton, Lockett. Robbie Anderson, maybe even Debo Samuel. But that's close. I, I'd probably take him over Debo. Uh, would you take him over Juju? Or yeah. DJ Chark. Yeah, definitely over DJ Chark. I'm pretty low on DJ Chark this year. Um, uh, you do have that vibe, yeah. I yeah, would, I would take him over Juju just because upside is more. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's a right, right around where I have him. All right, I don't think we have anything else to say about the Bengals, do we? Nope. Uh, hopefully, Joe Burrow's healthy because that means the offense will be good for fantasy. Yep, that's really all there is to say. Um, Defense should be bad. Coaching should be bad. Line should be bad. So it's really all on Joe Burrow to elevate the talents around him. And his one knee. His one knee. And trying to shed off the hate that Nate is spewing on a weekly basis. About <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, the vitriol that I am pouring out, publishing, and sign sealing and delivering about. I think your first next article should be why I hate Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the Nathan Biner story. All right. Do you have any closing remarks on this lovely Wednesday? Can't wait for the heater of an episode. Our hot takes coming up next uh, Friday. So yeah. be awesome. stick around. Tell us we suck if you disagree. And thanks and for joining us. You can tell us we suck at Fantasy Bible Pod, Fantasy Bible Pod <laughs> on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can also find us at thefantasybible.com uh, where you can submit questions, read our read our good word and uh yeah that's that's really it that's all Uh, we got we'll see you guys on friday we're running out of steam (laughs) (laughs) all right goodbye everybody peace